0: Survival in Motion Podcast. Learn, adapt, prepare, survive. Hello, everyone. This is author Cal Wilson. Welcome to another episode of the Survival in Motion Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the benefits of paranoia. Yes, you heard that right. There have been a number of recent events in the news that I want to talk about and discuss maybe somebody should have been paranoid. I know that's kind of a weird word to throw around. And by the way, I'm not talking about frothing in the mouth, paranoid. I'm talking about just at a heightened state of awareness so that you can be fully aware of what's going on. And if you're paranoid, then you're that much more Aware and you're imaginative so that you can foresee problems that are about to come up. Anyway, the recent news events include the most horrible one, which is October 7th in Israel. And I say this partly out of just frustration, but partly out of, you know, come on, what happened? What happened? I mean, to think that there was this concert going on, there were a bunch of kibbutzes right nearby, leaving their doors open. When you think that just right over the border, within sight, is a group of people who would do these just horrible, just ghastly, barbaric things once they cross over the border. I I mean, it's just... Boggles the mind. Now, this is, you know, hindsight being 2020. I wish that somebody who was in charge or I wish the people who were in charge of protecting those in Israel had a sense of paranoia. And by that, I mean, if several people were in charge of protecting those in Israel who were right nearby the border, just looking at that border fence, if they were paranoid, they would be thinking to themselves, you know, that might not be the most safe fence right there. Maybe it's possible that somebody could cut that fence and drive through it or or have a bunch of terrorists run through it or motorcyclists or whatever. And they would think, let's do something to make this border fence more secure. And not only that, but, you know, the border fence only goes up so high. You know. A paranoid person would look at that and think, you know, if the wind direction was in the right direction, if the wind was blowing into Israel, I could see somebody in a hot air balloon or someone in some of these weird paragliders that were actually used to just cross over the border. Something else that could have been imagined is, okay, if the terrorists are able to cross over the border, let's have some military people right there, or at least right nearby. Instead of what we heard, I was hearing like three hours, three hours of the terrorists having free reign at that concert and at the kibbutzes and private homes inside Israel, three hours before the military responded. Anyway, the benefits... Of paranoia include heightened awareness. And again, I say this out of frustration, but there was no heightened awareness on the part of those who were in charge of protecting Israel from these terrorists. You know, we find out now that I think something like 250 people were taken hostage and over 1,200 people were killed. And that includes whole families who were burned to death in their homes. It includes something like 40 infants who were beheaded, a bunch of women who were gang raped and then killed, on and on and on. It's just ghastly. It's just horrible to think uh, what happened. Now, for some reason, there are people who are taking the side of the terrorists. And I remember the Iranian hostage situation way back when, uh, you know, in 1979, I believe. It was extremely few people in the United States who took the side of the Iranians who were taking our embassy workers hostage. And those who did, all you had to do was just to say, you know, hostages are taken, right? You know, they're keeping people hostage. And that would kind of shut up people who were supporting Iran. I mean. The United States is not perfect. Iran's not perfect. Everybody involved on every side is not perfect. But the idea of one side or the other taking hostages, that pretty much should settle it all right there. What side is in the right and what side is in the wrong? That is no longer the case nowadays, or at least the few loudmouths who are out there Protesting. They don't seem to care about hostages. And of course, it's not being brought up to them that hostages are being taken. To me, that's kind of the end of the discussion. Another benefit of paranoia is that it forces you to have a sense of preparedness. And again, I'm not talking about frothing at the mouth paranoia. I'm just talking about deliberate paranoia, a heightened sense of awareness, preparedness, and looking at a security situation, and kind of imagining things that could go wrong and what you could do when they do go wrong. So that's another benefit of paranoia is preparedness. So that's what's going on. And it's still going on. And there's a, uh, well, I call it greatest hits. It's not greatest hits, but there's a video floating around among the Politicians in Washington, D.C. And this video was put together by the government of Israel. It's a video compiled of the videos that the terrorists themselves took while they were committing these deeds. And if anybody ever says, oh, we don't know for sure what really happened, well, we do know what happened. And the reason why we do know what happened is because the terrorists themselves filmed themselves doing all this. Anyway, there's a compilation of all these terrorist acts put together by the government of Israel, and it's being shown to the politicians in Washington, D.C., and when these politicians come out after having seen this, you can just see it on their face. They're just numb. They're shocked. They can barely talk. Sure, they managed to say a few things, but after seeing all of this, that again, that was filmed by the terrorists. They come out and they're just numb with just outrage and shock. Anyway, a sense of paranoia would also bring about some critical thinking. And that's one of the benefits of paranoia, critical thinking. Critical thinking was lacking in the days leading up to October 7th. All right, let me switch subjects here and talk about the fires last summer in the island of Maui in Hawaii. We now know that over 100 people died. We know that a bunch of people are still unaccounted for. And I think everybody realizes those who are unaccounted for are probably dead. Their bodies have probably been cremated inside houses and buildings that themselves were burned to the ground. So it's just a big pile of ash. And included in that ash is... Basically, a cremated body or two. And then there are probably several who will never be identified because their bodies were inside of these buildings that were burned down. I want to bring up Hawaii because we did know the days leading up to the August 2023 fires in Maui. We did know that this island was extremely dry and had not been rained on in a long time. And we do know that there was a hurricane nearby with. Extremely high winds. And in that situation, when you have a lot of brush that's dry and you have very high winds, all it takes is a spark, or in this case, a downed power line or two, or who knows what actually started it. But once you get the winds going, that's it. The place is burning down. And the town of Lahaina is what I'm talking about. There was an unfortunate interview by the island of Maui person in charge of water. And apparently, this person has some kind of religious thoughts about water and how it needs to be conserved at all times. Did that enter into the decision to turn off the water so that the firefighters were not able to use it? I'm not sure if that has been proven one way or the other. I know that that person who gave that interview did resign at some point. But there you have it. You've got a dry heat situation. You've got high winds, and then you've got water that is not able to be used by firefighters. Here's another thing that happened in the Maui fire is power lines were downed. Now, those power lines, we don't know for sure whether they were live or not, or whether the power was turned off. Anyway, the police officers there were told to block certain roads so that people would not drive over possibly live Power lines. So the problem there is people can't get out of town while the town is burning down. And that's a classic bureaucratic response. Whoever was in charge of that decision is a classic bureaucrat. In other words, they're saying, I don't want anybody running over those possibly live power lines and possibly dying because that would be my fault. So if we just block the roads, if they die in town, from smoke inhalation or fire or whatever, then that's the fault of the fire. That's not my fault. You know, the bureaucrat would say, I don't want to be blamed if somebody drives over power lines and they get electrocuted and die. So that's another problem that happened in Hawaii. And a number of people were not able to get out of town. Here's another thing in Hawaii. They have this fantastic tsunami warning. When the sirens go off, everybody in town knows this tsunami warning is blaring out there, and they know to go to higher ground. And that alarm was not turned on. It was not activated. And the reason was, supposedly, hey, this is a fire. This is not a tsunami. And I say, well, who cares? You know, an alarm is an alarm. Even if you were broadcasting, hey, there's a tsunami, then people would at least come out of their house. And then while they're out of their house worrying about a tsunami, then they'll happen to notice, oh, look, the town is on fire. So that was another problem with Maui. And another benefit of paranoia is risk avoidance. Apparently, that was lacking here in Maui, that the powers that be who were in charge of that tsunami warning were not worried about risk avoidance. They didn't have any sense of paranoia. A paranoid person, again, not frothing at the mouth, but a even-handed paranoid person would say, wait a minute, there's a lot of ingredients to a horrible fire right here. And in fact, part of the town is burning down. So therefore, let's go ahead and activate that tsunami warning. Just to get people out of their houses. So that's another benefit of paranoia is risk avoidance. Okay, here's another fire situation I wanted to talk about. And this is the town of Paradise, California. I can't remember how this came up in a conversation recently, but there's a small town named Paradise and it's north of Sacramento over in California. Apparently, this is a small town surrounded by forest, surrounded by mountains, and there's only one road in and out of that town. And in 2018, a fire the same ingredients, a dry, hot condition, high winds, and down power lines. Next thing you know, the whole town is on fire, and everybody's trying to get out of town by driving on that one road. And of course, it gets all clogged up. I read something about it was a four-lane road, and then something I read said, no, it was only a two-lane road, or it was a four-lane road at one point, and then it was narrowed into a two-lane road. Anyway, whoever was in charge of protecting the people in Paradise, California, or whoever is in charge of the roads there, did not have any sense of survival instinct, and that's the fifth benefit of paranoia. If a person who was in charge of the roads or protecting Paradise, California, if they had this survival instinct, they would think that, hey, if this little town here with one road in or out gets on fire and a fire rushes through, everybody's going to try to get out of town by this one road. And what do roads do when tons of people are on them? They get clogged up. And of course that's what happened. And a number of people, I think 85 people died in the Paradise Fire in California in 2018. A lot of these people died in their cars trying to get out of town. And if there was somebody in charge of protecting the people there who had a sense of survival instinct, they probably would have said, wait a minute, let's widen this road even more than four lanes. Let's also put on some shoulders even on the side of that road. And if possible, let's even have some vacant land next to the road so that if the road clogs up, if the shoulders are clogged up, then people can at least make a go of it and try to drive across this land. But apparently that was not the case. Or what about a second entirely different road in and out of that little town? Apparently, that was not considered. I don't know if that crossed anybody's mind, but it should have. That's number five. Survival instinct is another benefit of paranoia. So there you have it. The benefits of paranoia. And again, I'm not talking about frothing at the mouth paranoia. I'm talking about calm, cool, and collected paranoia, where you look at a situation and you think, I'm in charge of protecting me and my family, or I'm in charge of protecting this town, or I'm in charge of protecting this country. I've complained before about 9-11 that there were some clues that were ignored. And if the people in charge of protecting us had a little sense of paranoia, they would have added together those clues, but they didn't. So all of this adds up to being able to protect better when you're paranoid. So I just want to leave that out there. One other thing, actually, I've got two announcements in closing here. Number one, this has encouraged me to try to get a four-wheel drive 1970-ish pickup truck or Toyota Iron Pig, which is kind of similar. It's like a suburban type thing. I'm going to try to get a high ground clearance four-wheel drive 1970s-ish survival truck. And I'll let you know how that goes. My neighbor has what's known as a boneyard and he has like two or three acres of deserted cars and trucks. And I've left a message with him that, hey, if a 1970s type four-door pickup truck or Suburban or Iron Pig comes through, I want first dibs on it and I'm going to start working on it. Why 1970s? Well, As you know from my book, EMP, The End of the Grid as We Know It, and also the sequel, EMP, NYC. If an EMP happens and you have a car that runs on a whole lot of electronics, guess what? That car is not going to be able to run. That's why I think a late 60s, early 70s truck will better be able to survive an EMP if one happens. Another thing is vehicles at that time, you don't have to worry about a catalytic converter And I'd rather not bother with having one of those. So that's one of the announcements I have. I'll let you know how that's going. Another announcement I have is that at long last, we're finally going to create a YouTube channel for Survival in Motion. So be watching for that. We're going to have episodes of videos on the Survival in Motion YouTube channel. So I hope you found today's episode of the Survival in Motion podcast educational and informative. I hear the music. That means our time is up. Thank you for joining me. God bless.